Hello, it's Matthew from the Marx Brothers Council podcast here, along with Noah. Hello. And Bob. Hello, dear. Um, there's no full podcast this month. We're taking the month off in order to celebrate the second anniversary of two years ago. But we do have this mini cast for you, comprising an announcement and the solving of a hitherto perplexing Marx mystery. Ooh, Ooh could it be? Yeah, you'll, you'll just have to wait and see. Um, oh, okay. Business end first, though. As many of you will know, um, we've been doing these podcasts now for some four years, and we recently celebrated our 50th show. Furthermore, that show took the form of the last of our deep dives into each of the individual Marx movies. The obvious question we faced was, should we continue or should we leave it there at a very neat ending point? Well, we've decided that we will be continuing, but with a few changes. For the first of these, I'll hand over to Bob. Okay, thanks, Matthew. First of all, I want to say that I agree wholeheartedly with uh, continuing on with the, the podcast. So many things we have yet to talk about. Uh, you know, we haven't done a Maggie episode or a Gummo episode, and there's all these books and movies and TV specials coming up. So there's, there's going to be no shortage of topics. I think we could go on for quite a while. That being said, that being said, my role in the podcast is going to be transitioning. Well, maybe maybe I better find a, a better word. <laughs> You're having podcast reassignment <laughs> surgery. Yeah. Um, actually, what, what's going to be happening is that I am going to be moving from co-host to producing uh, full-time. I will still pop in on occasion and maybe come back for an episode or so if something strikes my fancy. But the background here is that I got into this podcast four years ago. I was recruited by these guys, not because I'm an expert. I mean, they, these guys wrote the books, literally. I just got involved because I, I was a fan, and I had a lot to say about the Marx Brothers and these 13 films and a few other things. And now that we've reached this point, I really feel that I've said everything I wanted to say about the Marxists. I think I've reached a, a natural endpoint for my contribution to the show. And actually, in the long term, I think this is the best move for the podcast. With the number of guests we have lined up that are going to be coming soon, it'll just be too much with three hosts and a guest. It, it gets, it'll be like the stateroom scene. I think uh, three people on a podcast is, is the perfect amount. You have two hosts and a guest, or one host and two guests, whatever it is. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and those always seem to be the ones that work the best. So that's the direction I, I, want, I want to take the show. And... Uh, by removing myself, I think that only adds to the equation. Uh, I guess that's about it. Uh, oh, by the way, 50 episodes haven't gone for naught. I finally learned that the proper pronunciation is hapo. You do realize this means that people will be dividing the podcasts into the Paramount podcasts and the MGM podcasts. <laughs> Just to give everyone a little uh, behind the scenes, here's the actual letter I wrote to uh, Matthew and Noah. Um. I'm sick and tired of being a stooge. You know that anybody else would have done as well as I on the podcast. When the chance came for me to get into the producing world, I jumped at it. I've only stayed on the show until now because I knew that you both wanted me to. But I'm sure you understand why I have joined Nick Santa Maria and his theatrical agency and that you forgive my action. Wish me luck. Uh, right, I guess there's no, there's no sort of... Easy segue out of that. Well, you're not going to try and talk me out of it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
Bob, we've been waiting for so long to hear you say these words. <laughs> I want to uh, reassure our listeners, who I assume, like me, are big Bob Gasell fans, that Bob's presence will remain very much a part of the podcast, not only through his producing and editing of the show, which he will now be able to focus on even more, uh, but as the occasional voice from the man behind the curtain or in the booth, uh, the producer of the show on many, uh, many real professional podcasts and radio shows, there's that voice of wisdom that floats in occasionally from behind the scenes. Um, and that'll be Bob. So you, you, this is not goodbye. It is merely, as Bob puts it, a transition. Um, can we think of a better word? <laughs> <laughs> Before we get on to the, the mystery, then, any other changes to announce, Noah? Well, yes, there is, as a matter of fact. Uh, starting at the beginning of 2023, we will be introducing the ability to subscribe to our podcast and become a member through Patreon. The podcast will still be available for free to all, just as it always has been, but for a low monthly subscription rate, you will be entitled to uh, an even richer Marx Brothers Council podcast experience in 2023. That will include access to additional segments that are not part of the main podcast, as well as some uh, little surprises from us, which you may even receive in your actual physical mail. So nothing will change about your experience unless you want it to. But around January, we will introduce in more detail this new feature that uh, will allow you not only to listen to the podcast, not only to enjoy the podcast, but also to pay the podcast. <laughs> Sounds tempting, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, mostly that is a way to allow us to keep doing this, uh, to let the podcast continue to thrive, uh, let the three of us continue to spend time on it as we want and love to. Hmm. I may even subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who may have missed it, recently we had the streaming premiere of If You Get Near a Song, Play It, The Marx Brothers and Music. Oh, yeah which is the third of three streaming programs I've created mm -hmm. for the Fredonia Marxonia Festival since 2020. Um, the reason I mention this one in particular, which is now available on YouTube, you can find it on, on my YouTube channel, Noah Diamond, uh, is because it features an incredibly special, exceptional performance by Bob and Matthew. You've been listening to Bob and Matthew analyze and discuss the Marx Brothers and their work for years now. But if you haven't yet heard them sing, it is really a treat. And it was deservedly one of the most popular and talked about and well-received aspects of If You Get Near a Song, Play It. So find that on YouTube. And I think you'll enjoy it if you haven't yet. And I, su I suspect the main reason why Bob is, is stepping back from the podcast now is, is in order to pursue his <laughs> musical career full time. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to be a crooner. Our end music from now on, instead of letting the guests choose, Bob is going to sing something. Yeah, yeah. Two blind, <clears throat> two blind, uh, I'm getting ready, guys. <laughs> That's by Harold Arlen, isn't it? <laughs> 
Now, as many of you will know, both in my book and here on the podcast, we've puzzled over numerous unexplained mysteries with which the Mark story is studied. But today, we have a solution. No, it's not the identity of the manicurist, but for me, at least, it's equally big. That is to say, to the vast majority of the world, it will be of no interest at all. And to the casual fan of the Marxes, it will be of mild curiosity interest at best. But if you are as beyond hope obsessive as we are... This is going to be right up your corridor. But first, Noah, to whom are we indebted for this? We are indebted to Mr. Scott Sandage. Regular listeners to the podcast may recall that Professor Sandage is the man who taught us why Dr. Hackenbush has short sleeves on his, uh, what I called a lab coat. But uh, Scott wrote into the show and let us know that that's a veterinary gown. And there's a specific reason why those sleeves are short. Um, and it is disgusting. Uh, I've gotten to know <laughs> Scott since then. He is also the author of uh, an incredibly good book, which is called Born Losers, A History of Failure in America. Um, I strongly recommend that. Uh, Scott Sandage is also one of the talking heads in There's Nothing Like Liberty, The Marx Brothers and America, which was the 2021 Fredonia Marxonia program that I created. Mm -hmm. um, and he's wonderful in that, too. And it, too, is available on YouTube. So Professor Sandage is a, a friend of the show and a great cultural historian and solver of mysteries, including this one. So let me introduce you all to the firm of Francis Day and Hunter. British listeners and those who know their early 20th century popular music may well already be familiar with that name because they were one of the first and biggest music publishers resident in London's Tin Pan Alley. They started in the late 19th century and were still going strong when they were absorbed into EMI music in the early 1970s. They published Gershwin, Cole Porter, Jerome Kern and many others. As well as publishing, they were also pioneers of copywriting. The middleman in the triumvirate, David Day, formed the Musical Copyright Association in 1900 and his son Frederick Day was one of the chief architects of the Copyright Act of 1911. Now, right up until 1988, the United States had refused to become a party to the famous Berne Copyright Convention, since that would have necessitated wholesale revision of its own domestic copyright laws. This meant that it had rather wider freedoms in relation to music copyrighted elsewhere than did other Anglophone countries. What they hadn't foreseen was that this created a legal loophole when American product was distributed internationally. And this all came to a head when Francis Day and Hunter successfully sued Fox Film Corporation in Ontario because they'd made a film with the title The Man Who Broke the Bank at Monte Carlo, which Francis Day and Hunter had copyrighted as a song. This caused ripples of unease throughout the film business and memos urging caution were doubtless issued by all the studios. Now, this successful suing of Fox occurred in December of 1937, right when room service was going into production. And records show that just five years earlier, in 1932, none other than Francis Day and Hunter themselves had taken out a copyright in Britain and the Commonwealth countries on... Swing low, sweet chariot. If you get there before I do, coming for to carry me home. Yeah, man. Well, oh, 
this, then, is surely the explanation for this in the British Prince of Room Service. There's still a doubtless fascinating lost story aching to be unearthed about how late in the day RKO realised this, presumably after production, because otherwise it would have been much easier to have simply changed the song for all territories, or at the very least, filmed the sequence twice, with a different song in each, rather than laboriously write and record an incredibly similar one that could be overdubbed onto the same sequence of film. And of course, it would also be nice to know more about the Marxes themselves being dragged back to record it. But at least the reason why it ended up that way is now, I would argue, definitively settled. Thank you, Scott Sandage, for that. And thank you, Matthew, for uh, assimilating and uh, presenting it so yeah. perfectly. And we also might add to that that yeah. uh, the fact that U.S. copyright law applies only in the United States is something that we're sometimes slow to realize in the Marx Brothers world. It also explains why when we Americans love to talk about how Animal Crackers was, uh, as a film was impossible to see uh, until uh, Steve Stolier's efforts and the revival in the 70s. But uh, over on Matthew's side of the pond, you could have seen Animal Crackers all through the 60s and early 70s. On television. Well, that just about wraps up our mini episode and announcement. Please join us next month when we resume regular episodes with our long-awaited discussion of Susan Fleming Marx's book, Speaking of Harpo. We will be discussing that with the returning champion, uh, our previous guest, Ms. Hannah Mira. Until then, I think we should make Bob choose the final song. All right. Well... All I can say is, you asked for it. <laughs> two blind loves, two blind loves. Do we know what we're doing? Two blind loves. Don't know what month it is or the time of day. Don't know if we're in Brooklyn or in Mandalay. I only know the sun started to shine The day that I looked into your eyes And you looked into mine Two blind loves, babes in the wood We've got it all so bad, but isn't it good? We're on a bumpy road, it's true, but heaven is in view for two blind loves. Two blind loves, two blind loves. Don't know fish from steak 
don't know if it's a donut or a wedding cake. I only know the sun started to shine the day that I looked into your eyes and you looked into mine. Who blind loves babes in the wood? We've got it oh so bad. But isn't it good? We're on a bumpy road, it's true, but heaven is 